So, uh, uh, what'd you just hear? So, so like, uh, how many of you have, like, how many have no idea what you heard? Come on, my younger people, get honest. Yeah. What was that? Right? How many are sure you know what you heard? Right? So, so uh, what you heard, right, was, was uh, uh, basically the sound of a computer getting online to a server. And if you were learning to, to access the internet before there was high-speed internet, and by the way, for those of you who grew up in the generation of high-speed internet, you should thank God on that alone <laughs> for the season you were born in. Uh, it was a slow process, downloading a file. Oh, my word, the days of dial-up internet, so terribly slow. But what you heard was the sound of a computer getting online to a server. And, and, and I'll come back to that in a second because I want to talk to you about the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out. And, and when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, the people had entered in, 120 disciples of Jesus had entered into a prayer meeting in an upper room. They had been there for 10 days, on and off. I'm assuming they were coming and going or what have you. And when the day of Pentecost had come, about 10 days later, there was this sound like a mighty rushing wind from heaven. I want you to imagine like an airplane taking off and you're like standing somewhere in relative close proximity to it. The jets fire off and you hear this. And all of a sudden there appeared tongues of fire over their head. Now that may sound crazy. And I don't know if I was making a movie about it. Uh, uh, it, it might look like, you know, like this fire enters a room. And you ever lit like a grill? You know how little things, you know, the gas. And they probably popped over their heads like they were going you know. And, and, and then they, they all begin to speak. They all begin to speak in these unknown languages. And other people heard them praising God in languages that they knew. And it drew this huge crowd around them. I mean, so crazy was the scene. They thought these people were drunk and they jumped people. These people are drunk. They're filled with new wine. Listen, uh, frankly, if I could drink and learn Spanish, friends, I'm in. But seriously, they, what, what they heard is the same thing you heard, except instead of hearing a, a, a computer getting online to a server, they heard the church of Jesus Christ getting online with God. But, but here's the thing. Um, when these people were coming online, people heard them speaking in languages they hadn't learned. And it was a weird scene. And today I want to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you about, the title of my message is called The Misunderstood Gift. And I'm going to talk to you about the gift of tongues. So for some of you, just me mentioning that creates shuddery feelings on the inside. And, and, and uncomfortability. And it could come from a few things. It could come from traditions you've been taught that says God doesn't do this anymore. And you've been taught that. I'm gonna tell you up front before we get to the end of the message, there's simply no biblical precedent for that. That's, that's imagined. And it's imagined from the lack of experience as opposed to people say, you people pursue experiences. I'm like, well, frankly, you're building your own theology based on non-experience. So that's not in the Bible. The Bible holds this out to be a positive thing. But maybe you were part of a, a group of people where they embraced it, but then you experienced that they, but everybody was going to force you into it. Some of you remember me telling you the story on uh, the dirt and gold message from a couple of weeks ago. And if you haven't heard that, I highly recommend you listen to it because it puts all these kind of, if you've had a weird Christian experience at a church, 
you saw strange stuff. You saw people rolling around walls and laughing or what they called holy rollers. And you, you experienced that and it freaked you out. Uh, I get you. I have my own version of those stories and they freak me out too. And, uh, you know, so you maybe had someone try to force the gifts on you and so that felt better. Maybe you were somebody who you wanted the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want the gifts of the Spirit. I specifically, I want to speak in tongues, but it just didn't happen for whatever reason. And now it created this kind of feeling of haves and have nots. More and less than. Okay, we don't buy any of that here today. All right, I, I believe that the gifts of the Spirit are important, but they don't determine your value. If anything, the fact that God offers them declares your value. Okay, so uh, here's what I want to do today. I want you to take a deep breath. Breathe out, relax. We're not doing anything weird here today, okay? No weird. I'm just going to preach a message to you. And I want to go through this. And I have, I have a few goals. Uh, and I, I, want to, I want to say this. Um, the Bible and the, and the church of Jesus Christ historically are overwhelmingly positive about the gift of tongues. The modern church in many sectors and denominations of faith have shunned the use of this helpful gift because of ignorance, uh, because of misunderstandings, and because of misuse. And so I want to tackle all that today. And I have three goals from this message. First, my big hope is that you just, that, that first of all, you won't be afraid of it. If you experience someone, you hear it at a distance or sometimes up close and loud because they haven't figured out how to apply this properly, and I'll deal with that in this message. And so you're trying to, you're just uncomfortable by it. I just want to kind of remove the fear. Second goal is that you get a biblical understanding and a more thorough biblical understanding. Most people have had teachings where they teach the, their favorite passages and ignore the ones that aren't their favorite. I don't do that today. Um, I'll put it all out there. And there are some debatable things related to this, and there's the things that are not debatable. And so it's, it's, I'll let you help you sort that. But then my third goal would be that you might desire the gift of tongues for yourself. But again, there's no pressure in that. And I think once you hit the biblical understanding, I think it'll remove fear from you about this topic, if you have it. Uh, once you understand it, I think many of you will desire it. And then uh, once you understand it, you'll know how to properly use and apply it uh, in its appropriate context. So let me, let me start with this. Um, in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, one of the signs that will follow those who believe is in my name, they will speak in other tongues. Strange, because he never talks about that up until that moment. Later in the book of Acts, of course, the, the Holy Spirit's poured out like I just described to you. Later, Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18 says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. And then later, in first, or before that, earlier in 1 Corinthians 14, 5, he said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. So here's a question I have for you. Why? Why does Jesus put it up as one of the signs that will follow those who believe? And then why does Paul, why is he so happy that he does it more than everybody else? And then why does he want you to get in on it? If you had a best kept secret that would help someone else's life and you love them, would you want to share that with them? For Paul the apostle, this is an important part of his spiritual experience and he's offering it to the church of Jesus. In fact, the book of 1 Corinthians 14, I'm not gonna, I can't go through every verse in here. I highly recommend you read chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14 all together as one reading so you can wrap your mind again around what God's trying to get at with spiritual gifts, how to use those in love, and then some of the practical instructions of what we do as we meet as a church to apply those things. But let's talk, I wanna do, do this a couple ways. First, I wanna talk about what tongues is, 
Just lay it out there. What is it? Second, I want to talk about why do it? What's the benefit? Why would anybody want to do this? And then the third thing I want to do is kind of touch upon some debatable things that are debatable, and you're going to have to make your decision what you believe about those things. And, uh, and then I'm going to dismiss you, and you're going to go happily on your way, <laughs> totally relaxed because we didn't do anything weird, okay? First of all, what is tongues? Well, number one, tongues, tongues is an archaic word for languages, it's the Greek word glossolalia. You can hear the word glossary in it almost. And, and so it's just the word for languages. Uh, probably it stayed tongues because when they translated it into English, into uh, to, to English, like with the King James Version, they called it that, but they also used that word for languages everywhere in the Bible. So the people of other tongues, they would say that they were talking about languages, talking about foreign languages. But then when it came to this supernatural impartation, after, after everybody uh, began to translate it, they just kept that. Even though English languages got modernized, they start taking out the these and the thous, they still kept this word. Finally, the New Living Translation, it went for the New Living Bible, then they got a team of scholars together to actually do it right and made the New Living Translation. When they made the New Living Translation, they, they actually translated interchangeably with tongues and languages, trying to help the modern Christian figure out what it's talking about. So just it just means languages. Now, I want to tell you about my first experiences, my very first experience. Some of you know that my mom got saved when I was in high school. I was not raised in a Christian home. And so she started going, she started hanging out with these Pentecostal cowboys and she was a part of a church called Cowboy Church. A Pentecostal and cowboy, it almost doesn't get weirder than that. Uh, and, and on top of that, I'm, this, I'm in the Marine Corps. I'm a kind of, I'm a highly practical guy. I, I'm, I, as you can tell, I'm really tall. No, I'm not. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, I, and all the cowboys there, I swear they ate, I don't know what they ate, but they grew to like, you know, really giant size. I felt like, like Israel in the land of whatever, there's getting into the promised land. I'm like, where are all these giants here? So we're in the worship service, they're doing their thing. And it wasn't like this contemporary thing. They're doing their do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do remember. I'm like, what? Okay, mom, this is crazy. And then at this point in the service, they're lifting their hands up and I'm just trying to figure this all out. And, and, and I begin to hear this, all these people begin to speaking in something and I didn't know what it was. And I hear this sound, I'm like, what, what is that? What are they doing? She said, oh honey, they're speaking in tongues. Now I want you to know what I thought when she said that because I don't know archaic languages. I don't know that tongues is an archaic language for language. So I'm picturing people doing this. And I'm like, oh, gross, mom. Why would anybody want to do that? You know, and I picture this, they're, 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 they're meat in their mouth moving around, you know, and I'm like, you're, you're, it was freaking me out. Well, uh, but, but really all it is is an archa archaic word for uh, languages. The second thing you need to know about tongues is tongues is speaking to God, not to men. And the reason I bring this up is depending upon what tradition you grew up in, you were told that when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, that the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit where they spoke in tongues and other people heard them magnify or glorify God in their own native language, you were taught that that is uh, uh, for evangelism, that tongues is poured out to evangelize or to share the faith with a group of people. Anybody were taught that somewhere in your journey? Come on, be honest. Well, I won't waste time here. Okay, a few of you. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, the problem is, uh, I, there's a couple of faults I find with that. First of all, it says they were praising God. It doesn't say they were preaching a message about Jesus. They were exalting God. The second thing is Peter felt compelled to stand up and preach the gospel afterwards and do that. So the tongues was a sign that did make people wonder, <laughs> you know, signs and wonders. And they came around and to hear the message and then Peter preached the gospel to them, but it wasn't for evangelism. But, but let's let Paul the apostle address it directly. First Corinthians 14, verse two, he says, anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. 
Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to who? But who does he speak to? And indeed, how many people understand him? What is he uttering with the spirit? Mysteries. Like I didn't write this right here in your Bible. Which leads to the third idea is that tongues is speaking mysteries with your spirit. No one but God understands him. Let's talk about this idea of speaking mysteries and why would anyone want to do that? Uh, last, a couple years ago, I think it was, time goes on as I get older, but I was down at my dad's house in Texas. And my dad's been growing in his relationship with the Lord. He asked me about some of my spiritual experiences and really from the, from the position of hunger for more of that in his own life. But he said, you don't, uh, we were, I don't forget how tongues came up, but he goes, you don't, you don't do that, do you? And I'm like, the look on his face was like, you know, you don't do that, do you? And I was like, yeah, actually I do. I, I love praying in tongues. And he was like, why? And maybe you're right there right now that even if you say, I can see it's biblical, why does anybody want this? Well, I said to him, and I've been asking the Lord for a while, you're going to hear to laugh because my dad uh, didn't always walk with the Lord when I was growing up. And so uh, I remember praying, if my dad ever asked me about tongues, Lord, give me wisdom to know how to speak. So believe it or not, I was actually ready for the question. I just couldn't believe it was actually happening. And so, uh, real man of faith I am. Anyway, uh, so, so I pray for this. But anyway, I, uh, I was sitting there with him and I said, dad, my dad is a pro- computer programmer. He is a, uh, a, a, a patent designer of much, multiple like digital switch technologies which work on a computer platform. All you need to know is that your computer has little switches in it that are done digitally, carried out, moving pathways and pipelines. For those of you younger people who like to hack all your computer stuff, your ports and things like that, that's all kind of connected ideas. And my dad's probably gonna hear this message later and go, yeah, you got all that wrong. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> he speaks in a tongue I don't speak. Anyway, um, so, so, but as a programmer, one of the things I learned early on when I was a kid I would see these ones and zeros on the computer like in when 1986 when your computer screen was this big. And, um, and I remember seeing these ones and zeros. I said, what is that? And he, was, he was running some kind of compiler, what's called a compiler language. He said, oh, that's machine language or machine code. And, and I said, what's it do? He said, well, machines don't, like if you type in the letter A, B, or C in your computer, the, the machine doesn't see A, B, or C. It sees binary code, ones and zeros that mean the same thing. So a segment of one, zero, one, one, zero type thing could mean something. Somebody who's intelligent and knows that stuff could tell you what that is. But even very few programmers today know it. Only people who are actually building like the chip, the, the, or the, uh, the, the, the chips that go in your computer, the processors, only they really know this stuff this day and, and other people who are involved in, in the compiling of languages. So I tell you all that to say, I said, well, dad, it's kind of like, it's kind of like tongues is to my spirit what the machine language is to the computer. It takes, it gives me a spirit to spirit connection where I can pray and it's a mystery. I don't understand it, but I know it's helpful and I'll talk about why it's helpful in a minute. But does that help you a little bit? Just kind of wrap your mind. Why would God do this? Well, we, as humans, we figured out that machines need it. And God, what if, what if the magnitude of the awesomeness of God is so great, your little pea brain, no offense, can't contain the magnitude of his glory, so he gives you a language that supersedes your own intelligence so you can pray beyond where you're at. Number four, tongues is praying and singing in and with your spirit, not your mind. What do you mean by that? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 16. Let's go slow through this like Bible study style again. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. What prays? 
but my mind is unfruitful. It means it's not doing much. So what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. Do you see the spirit and the mind being contrasted there? I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. And some translations interpret the word mind as understanding. So one thing I understand and another I don't, basically. If you're praising God with your spirit, meaning it's, uh, it's unintelligible, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you are saying? So again, repetitively, understanding is shown that the mind... When I'm praying with my understanding or I'm praying with my mind, the mind is the source of prayer. Now, I want to address those of you who do pray in tongues or pray in the Spirit. And I want, to, I want to challenge you a little bit because in your journey, somewhere you probably were taught, if you came through the same circles I did, that we don't want to pray soulish prayers. We don't want to pray from the soul. We want to pray from the Spirit. We don't want to pray from the mind. Well, listen, let me give you some newsflash from Jesus. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, right? Everybody know that? Basic, basic Christianity right there. So, so uh, Paul says of himself, I will pray with the mind. I doubt most of us here are, are spirit, you know, more spiritual than Paul. We might be, some of you might be equal to him. <laughs> I'm doubting it. Uh, but, but my point is, is that uh, he, had, he was comfortable praying with his mind. Well, what does that mean? That means it's okay to make a prayer list and pray from it. It's okay to have a structured prayer meeting that has organization to it, that it's not a free-for-all. Because I was taught, like, if, it's, if you try to put structure, you're trying to control the Holy Spirit. No, man, I'm just I'm with my mind doing some planning, and, and I'm loving God with it, and he's really okay with it. That's, oxygen's leaving the room. <laughs> when I pray in tongues, then, or my spirit, the spirit is the source of prayer. It's, I, I don't understand it. In fact, I have found personally, I can think other things while praying in the spirit, which I can't do any other time. I cannot, I can be praying in tongues and I can have all kinds of thoughts, which I'll share a few of those with you here in a moment, running through my head. I could not do that with English if I tried. Right now, I cannot be thinking about five other things. I just can't do it. I have to pause, look at my notes. Oh yeah, where am I going? You know, that kind of thing. Sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me some inspiration up in my mind. But the bottom line is, I, when I'm praying in the spirit, I can... Uh, I could think other things. And so what it's saying is, is that, that the, uh, the, when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Spirit is the source of prayer. The mind is unfruitful, the Scripture says, or not doing much. Well, here's interesting. Science is starting to catch up. In 2006, Science Daily and the New York Times shared a landmark study on the gift of tongues from the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. How many knew they're interested in studying these things? Anyway, speaking, here's what they said. Speaking in tongues is an unusual mental state associated with specific religious traditions. The individual appears to be speaking in an incomprehensible language yet perceives it to have great personal meaning. Amen, I agree with that. Now, in a first-of-its-kind study, scientists are shining light on this mysterious practice, attempting to explain what actually happens physiologically to the brain of someone while speaking in tongues. Dr. Newberg said, our findings of decreased activity in the frontal lobes during the practice of speaking in tongues is fascinating because these subjects truly believe that the Spirit of God is moving through them and controlling them to speak. I'm gonna pause there. I don't actually believe that. I don't believe the Holy Spirit's controlling me to speak. I believe all walking in the Spirit, including speaking in tongues, requires partnership with the Holy Spirit. 
He doesn't force you. He invites you. It'd be like my wife and I dancing, you know, and if I'm leading the dance, I'm inviting her to dance. If she doesn't feel like dancing, she doesn't have to. But if she wants to, then I need her to follow my lead so we don't trip over each other and look like we're doing world-class wrestling on the ground. <laughs> right? So, so uh, which could be interesting. Uh, but, but uh, so he went, so I just want to say it's not control. Here's what he said. Um, our brain imaging research shows us that these subjects are not in control of the usual language centers during this activity, which is consistent with the description of a lack of intentional control while speaking in tongues. The Bible says they spoke as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance, as the Holy Spirit gives them the words in, in Acts chapter 2. Newberg went on to explain these findings could be interpreted as the subject's sense of self being, uh, being taken over by something else. Now, we scientifically assume it's being taken over by another part of the brain, but we couldn't see in this imaging study where that took place. Their spirit. You're looking in the wrong place, pal. And, and Paul the Apostle gave us a hint, and I'm glad they're going for it. He went on to say, Newberg went on to say, future studies will be needed to confirm these findings in an attempt to demystify this fascinating religious phenomena. Isn't that cool? So that's what tongues is. Now let's talk about what tongues does. Why would anybody want to do this? Well, number one, tongues builds me up and helps me connect with God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says, anyone who speaks in a tongue uh, builds up himself. Jude 1, verse 20 says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So you got this contrast of praying in the Spirit, or not contrast, this agreement of praying in the Spirit, being praying in tongues, and the end result is you build yourself up. Now, Oftentimes when I tell people, why would I want to pray in tongues? To build yourself up. Well, I don't want to be selfish. That seems like it's about me. I want a spiritual gift that's for other people, not for me. If I'm healthy, if I eat right, which is debatable looking at me, um, if I eat right, if I practice fitness, if I, if I decompress stress and stuff, am I better able to serve my family? Yes or no? Praying in tongues is the spiritual equivalent of taking good care of yourself. When I pray in the spirit, it's like my daily exercise routine where I do my jumping jacks and my push-ups and my stretches and I, and I go take a walk in the park and I decompress and I think about the things of God and I enjoy nature. And then when my grandkids come over, I'm able to give them something because I'm, feel, I'm good on the inside. Well, praying in the spirit does for my spirit what those other activities do for my body and my mind. Does this make sense? So this is why I want to build ourselves up. Number two, tongues helps me pray for myself. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many are glad the Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness? For, we, for example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Anybody ever been there? But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. So remember, the machine language you don't understand he does. The Father knows. So your server, the Father who wants to serve you with eternal life, with the power of heaven, with the love of God, with his Father heart, bring you into his family. When you don't know what you're praying, when you're praying in the Spirit, he does. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. He prays according to the will of God. You know, let me tell you why this is important. When I was in my 20s, I see some awesome young men up here. When I was in my 20s, I thought I was the next what, Billy Graham, Reinhard Bonnke, whatever. I, for those who know those people, I was going to change the world. And I am in my little small corner of it. I'm trying. 
But I, I had a bigger picture of myself. Now, you could believe in those days, I wouldn't go, oh God, I asked for great humility. Make me so humble, like Jesus. No, I was like, give me the power of God, God. I want to change the world, right? Did you follow me? So I can imagine when I'm praying in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, he's got all the power of God prayers in English. Let's go after this one. I'm praying in the Spirit, and I imagine, humble him, deliver him, take away his ego, help him to live for the purpose of God, help him to serve others. And sometimes when you're praying in the Spirit, you may be praying for things that transcend your awareness of what you actually need in the moment. That's why we do it. I do it because I recognize the Holy Spirit knows better how to pray. He says, if I pray that way, I pray, listen, according to the will of God. And and 1 John tells us, we know that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know what we have. We we know that we have what we have asked of him. Praying in tongues is just good for you because it does something in in, in bringing you into alignment with God. Chapter, th- uh, chapter three, <laughs> I'm used to being in the Bible. <laughs> Number three, tongues helps me pray for others. In Ephesians 6, 18, Paul the Apostle says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Now remember, this is a different book of the Bible than 1 Corinthians 14, but it's the same author. That first author, 1 Corinthians 14, said that praying in tongues is praying in the spirit. I doubt he changed his understanding of that moving to this. So someone might say, well, I think praying in the Spirit's any Spirit-led prayer. Amen, actually. I agree with that. But if you want to get technically specific, I think he's talking about actually praying in tongues. But I have no problem with Spirit-led prayers. In fact, if you stick around to the end of the summer, we're going to talk, we got the next series coming up is going to be on how to practically walk some of this out, like being led by the Holy Spirit, dealing with conviction, how to respond properly to all that. The following series is going to focus on hearing God and being led by the Holy Spirit. Like we're going to go, we're going to go through all this, and I just need time to unpack it all. Um, and my my teaching team does, but um, but he tells us to pray in the Spirit at all times and all every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. Why do you think he says stay alert? I just find that fascinating. Be alert, like like be attentive. Probably what's going on on the inside, what's going on in the world, and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, let me tell you how this practically has worked out in my life. When I was new at this, I, I, was, I was probably 25, 26 years old, so that's about half my age now. I uh, worked at a place called Weir's Furniture, and they had this break room where I could go take a break, and I would go there every day, and I would pray. Some days, I would go in really excited about prayer. I'm like, I'm, let's do this, you know, have my list. This is one of those, I don't feel like doing anything. Anybody have, have you ever had those moments you know you should spend time with God, but you don't feel like it at all? Anybody? Anybody with me? Yeah. I have those days, and... Um, and, and I'm glad all you spiritual people don't, but uh, I have those days. And so I was in there and I was having one of those moments. And some of you might say, well, you don't need to feel anything when you go into prayer. You just need to pray in faith. Well, I'm like, well, I had this faith that if I would pray in the spirit, I might feel it. And by the way, when people have a problem, there's, a, there's, a, there's kind of a segment of the church that says, you know, we walk by faith, not by feelings. And in the dirt and gold message, I address that. That's actually not a biblical statement. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. Feelings is never mentioned. In fact, Jesus one time looked around at people angrily, that would be a feeling, and rebuked them. And another time, uh, when I think about peace and I'm praying for peace, I don't, need, I don't want to faith peace. I want to feel peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So there's moments when I pray, I start in faith. In other words, feelings, right feelings, well, even wrong feelings, are the result of something that you're believing. And so what build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 
So I wasn't feeling it. I begin to pray. As I, I, I'm praying now for it in tongues for about 20 minutes. I'm just in this room walking around. Kind of thankful the Holy Spirit's praying and I'm getting to do light lifting. Like, I don't got to think. I'm just here. But all of a sudden, my mind got alert in it. I was praying and I said, Lord, is there anybody you want me to pray for? My mind got hyper alert. And uh, I had this friend come to mind, this picture in my mind that I hadn't talked to you for about three or four years. His name's Chris. I said, well, what, what do you, what, why is Chris coming to mind? And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, and when I say I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I'm talking about this impression that came to me on the inside. It wasn't like a voice. It was just this thought, but very clear. Uh, Chris has lost his job. Pray for a, new fa- a door of favor to open up and a new opportunity for him to have a new career path. And I'm thinking, okay, this is, str-. I'm thinking in my mind, honestly. So my memory, your mind doesn't understand. So I'm like, this is really strange. I don't even know if I'm hearing God or not or if I'm making this stuff up. Anybody else ever been there? Anyway, so, so I'm, I'm doing this and I'm, and I'm praying and I, 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 I leave that time. I get off work. I, I go through a rigmarole to find his phone number because back then you couldn't just pull it up on the internet. It was, you know, we had to actually call 411. Hey, I'm looking for this guy. And uh, I found him. We had a conversation, got caught up. As we got into that conversation, I said, hey man, I was praying for you today. And I felt like the uh, Holy Spirit told me that you lost your job. I was just going for it, like phew, diving out there. Yeah, you lost your job and that, uh, that you know, uh, is that true? And he's like, no, I'm, my job's fine. I said, well, I felt like he told me to tell you that you lost your job, or he told me that you lost your job and that, um, and that it don't, don't, there's nothing to fear. He's got a new door of opportunity, a new career path that's gonna open up for you. And I get out the phone and I'm just so disappointed that I failed. You know, like, oh man. What happens though, about a week and a half letter, back then that's when people used to send out little letters about their family, you know, and so I get this update letter about him and his family. I don't know how we got, how they found my address. Maybe we exchanged it at that time. But they wrote in there, he wrote this story and his wife was talking, it was Barbara writing uh, for them, talking about life changes. And one of those is that Chris lost his job uh, recently and we're looking for a new, whatever, opportunity. So uh, you can believe I called him back up. We we found that number. Okay, you told me you didn't lose your job. He said, I think you were more tuned in than I was because... He said, this is a big corporation with, with, with multiple cities around the United States. And he said, my termination papers could have been sitting on someone's desk uh, when you got that. But he said, I'll tell you what the end result is. I had faith to face this season because you called me up, right? So when God says, pray in the spirit on all occasions, being alert in it. When I'm praying in the spirit, Holy Spirit, who do you want me to pray for? Sometimes I don't know. You think you know who to pray for, but sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought to, as the scripture says, Right? And the fourth thing is tongues activates other spiritual gifts. One more story and then I'll, we'll we'll finish. Well, I've got two more stories and I'll finish the message here. Uh, uh, There was a time when uh, when I was at a a Mennonite church, I was the youth pastor on staff there. It was more like a Pentecostal church, but anyway. uh, So so we had this old school building that we had uh, bought and on the side of it was this like kitchen area and we were gonna have an anointing service or we were gonna pray for the healing of sick people. And that's just kind of the way Mennonites did it. They went to James 5 where it says, if anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let them anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And so we were gonna have that kind of service and I'm pacing and I'm praying like this. I'm back in this long hallway and it's about this long and I would annoy you if I did all this the way I actually pray. But I'm praying in tongues. And sometimes I pray in tongues because my mind is so full of other stuff. Have you ever been there? And I need to, to just to get focused because I want to surf. Like people say, why would you pray to build yourself up? Again, like I said earlier, well, sometimes I'm so full of myself in my head that when I pray in the spirit, it actually gets me others focused. And so I was praying in the spirit and I finally had this place of peace where my mind kind of got calm. Now, some people say, what do you mean? Is your, did you blank your mind? I'm like, well, the first time somebody told me there's this, like there's new age mysticism where they blank their mind. I'm like, who could do that? Like I couldn't blank my mind if I tried. I can slow it down, blanket, no way. So, uh, so I'm praying in the spirit, my mind gets calm. 
And, and I say, Lord, who do you want to heal today? Because we knew we were going to pray for this. And, and when uh, we were doing this part, and I'm asking, who do you want to heal today? I see this picture of a lady uh, in our church. Her name's Kathy. She comes to mind. And so I see her, and just like I did with Chris, I said, well, what do you want to heal her of? And I feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want to heal her of pain caused by varicose veins in her legs. And I'm like, she has never, ever told me that she has varicose veins, much less pain. But then I began to think, I've never seen this lady in shorts. Maybe it's because she's a Mennonite or maybe it's because she's got varicose veins she don't want the world to see. I don't know. Where are my former Mennonites at? Come on, it's all good. You know, we got, we, we're a mixed bag here at this church. So we got every, people say, are you non-denominational? No, we're more like interdenominational. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, seriously, Catholics, Lutherans, Methodists, we, 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 it's all represented right here for, for the most part. So praise the Lord. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Um, so so uh, I hear this, this thing about pain caused by varicose veins. So I go out, they're seated in us out front, and they're the people that want prayer, which is like three people, we prayed for. And, and then uh, Kathy was sitting with a foster child out in the, uh, the congregation. And I had this thing, story gave me. So I walked over to her and I said, Kathy, do, do, how are you feeling? Did you need prayer for anything? She goes, no, I feel great. I'm thinking, just like I did with Chris. I'm like, oh man. I literally started walking off and I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, just ask her. I said, Can I ask you a question? Do you have pain in your legs? She said, yeah, how'd you know that? I've got pain caused by varicose veins. I said, the Holy Spirit showed me that. He told me you had varicose veins. He didn't tell me he was gonna heal the veins. He told me he was gonna heal the pain. You, you want me to pray for you about that? She says, yes. Yeah. So Pops the child off. <laughs> uh, uh, so he prayed for her, uh, pray for her. Then it's a real simple prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this pain. You said you wanted to heal Kathy. Now I ask you to do it in Jesus' name. She's healed. She, she gets completely healed in that moment. Her veins didn't go away, but the pain did. How did I know that? I just was praying in the spirit, trying to be moved by the Holy Spirit, trying to be led by the spirit. It isn't about me. It was about serving other people. I hate to, like when I was younger, I used to love to tell these stories because I wanted you to think I'm brother awesome. Today, I don't want that at all. I just want you to, I just want to tell you stories so that you can have your own story. That's really my great desire. Now, let's, let's dive into the debatable things here. Um, a couple of debatable things. A couple of them came up last week. First, first is, I had two people. One talked to my daughter, Carissa. The other talked to a uh, lady who talked to me out here at church, uh, after church. And asked a very appro- kind of appropriate question, kind of trying to feel their way through it. Like, according to 1 Corinthians 14 later, isn't tongues, if you speak in tongues in church, isn't it supposed to be interpreted? You know, uh, actually, the scriptures do say that. I'm, I'm not going to go through all these verses for the sake of time. But if you read the, the, whole, the whole book of, of 1 Corinthians 14, that, that whole chapter, excuse me, uh, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, th- there's this thing that talks about when people come in and, and you're all praying in tongues, will they not say you're crazy? Are you not out of your mind? And if people were all prophesying, the secrets of their heart would be revealed and they'd fall down and say, truly God is among you. Isn't that more desirable? Yeah, absolutely. But you gotta remember the context of 1 Corinthians 14 is not about someone's personal life. In fact, he says in, um, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28, let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let, two, let there be two or at the most three people do that in a church service, each in turn, and let one person interpret. So it would, you might hear a tongue come out and someone might make this, uh, you know, let me just ex- demonstrate. This is totally pretend, so I'm making this up. But like, uh, you know, Elohim kerakisa rabasandara mastiete, jekuriakasa tarabastoyete. 
And someone else sitting by might go, praise you, O Lord God of heaven and earth. You're, you, you, you do all things wonderfully and you are powerful in all your ways. And everybody go, oh, that was an awesome moment in the church service, right? So in an appropriate service, that might be, in the right kind of service, that would be okay. In any service though, in this context then, where it's for the purpose, like I'm teaching you right now, if someone began to speak out in tongues, it would be inappropriate because it's, it's interruptive, it's distracting, it's not for edification. Now, if we were in a, a place, maybe at the end of worship, somebody did that and somebody had an interpretation, we'd let it go. In this big room, it's gonna be hard to hear you, but you could do it. Um, maybe at the, end of a, at the end of a worship service, somebody would speak in it and there would be no interpretation at that point. I or whoever's moderating the service might set up and say, it appears we don't have anybody to interpret, so if you would, just pray, keep that to your, you know, pray quietly to yourself and to God, we welcome the gifts of the Spirit here. Are you following me? This was the context. The first, the, the, Paul was writing to a church that assumed that most of the church was walking in spiritual gifts. He literally opens the, first, the letter of 1 Corinthians with that in mind. And, and so then he gets, he, the whole letter is unpacking the way they relate to each other. And then he gets to this place in this passage where he talks about spiritual gifts, the chapter on love. And then he gets to this place of practical application, the way we do it with one another and the way we interact with one another and, and not making I have something you don't have. And so it was becoming a circus there. Even communion, he was addressing the communion elements, the way they take communion, that they weren't taking it in a way that was honoring to one another. They were leaving people behind while they were eating their food. He's like, no, 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 not, not in the church service. You have homes for that. But here's my point. He says here, um, let him, if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. If you could speak to yourself and to God, it reinforces again the idea that there is such thing as a personal prayer language. It's not just for the service, it's for your interaction with God. And if that wasn't true, there'd be no point in doing it to yourself and to God. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, I I don't know why I need this. Some of you though, you know why you need what I'm saying because you've been taught those things. And so that that have kind of messed you up here. So So the application is, the question we're asking is, when is it appropriate to use this gift? When it's a meeting like this and it's for the building up of the saints, probably not the best time. I pray in tongues while we're worshiping. Most of you just don't know it because I'm doing it very quietly to myself because I'm trying to get edified before I come up here to deliver the word of the Lord to you. It's about that. In fact, let me say this. Let me address my charismatic Pentecostals here. We don't call ourselves here at Lifeway. We call ourselves continuationists. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. We embrace all the supernatural with none of the strange. So that's where we're at. And so uh, I don't know why I've ever thought weird was the way to accomplish winning people to Christ, but I've never seen that work real well. So, uh, but, but, what, but, yeah, but uh, I totally lost my train of thought where I was going then. I got hung up on the supernatural and none of the strange. Um, there's, oh uh, yeah, uh, there's those of you who already speak in tongues, but your time to do that has often been in a church meeting or whatever. My question is, how much of that's happening in the secret places of your life? If James says, my tongue is like the, the rudder to a ship and it steers, When I surrender my tongue to the Lord, it steers the course of my life, even in my English words or whatever your uh, native tongue is here for wherever you're, you know, you grew up, if you're Puerto Rican, maybe you speak Spanish, you know, and uh, we have uh, Ty here uh, uh, who's Brazilian, who speaks Portuguese. Uh, Everybody has has kind of the thing they're coming from. But even in that, if I surrender myself to like worship in English, it does something to order my life. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What would happen if you would pray in the spirit, knowing that God is praying for you according to the will of God, that you're surrendering your tongue? And surrender is the key here, by the way, because I can't pray in tongues. Maybe you're trying to control the experience instead of surrender to it. 
And maybe you do that in all your relationship with Jesus. And maybe that's another really important dynamic where you need to surrender and get you out of the way and get him on the throne of your heart. I want to finish uh, with this. The other common debatable thing is, is it for everyone? Remember 1 Corinthians 14, 5, Paul the apostle said, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, even more that you prophesied. So people say, yeah, see, he wants you to prophesy more than speak in tongues. Okay, the second statement doesn't invalidate the first statement. I wish you all spoke with tongues, stands alone. Why? Again, because he wants you, again, if I had a great secret that's helped my life, I'm telling you, I've told you, a lot of you guys have heard my stories. What you don't realize is I'm often praying in tongues or in the spirit before those things occur. There's a lady named Jackie Paula Drateau who, uh, who wrote a book called Chasing the Dragon. She went to the walled city of China at 19 years old as a missionary. She went there and as she, from the UK, she went, she went there and tried to establish, preach the gospel, establish a ministry, and it got nowhere. She did this for like a year. She was so frustrated, ready to quit. She met these Chinese, uh, Chinese Christian couple who asked her if she was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and could she, she said, yes. She said, they said, well, then do you speak with tongues? She said, no. They said, well, and she could, it was kind of, her Chinese wasn't as good as, the, you know, it was kind of a broken down experience, but they wanted to pray for her, so she she receives this gift of tongues and she begins to pray in tongues and maybe did that for like, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds, five minutes. I don't know how long it was. I don't think she really tells in the book if I remember. It's been years, like 20 since I've read it. Uh, but she, um, she later goes about her journey. Again, her ministry doesn't change much. And then she meets this American couple who comes over also as missionaries. She begins to re- unpack her struggle uh, with them, and they ask her the same questions. Are you baptized? It's during the Jesus movement of the 70s. So it's like, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Do you speak with tongues? And she, I think she, I can imagine she eye-rolled at this moment. Yes, what's up with all you people? And, and they, said, they said, do you pray in tongues every day? She goes, no, who does that? She goes, we do. They, they're like, we do. They said, look, we want to encourage you, pray in tongues at least 15 minutes every day. Think of it like exercise. And, she, and, and, and I said, and ask God for divine appointments while you do, and watch what happens. So she, she actually was cynical. If you read the book, she's cynical about the whole idea. And, you know, she's a, at this point, she's about a 20, 21-year-old who knows everything, okay? So, and from, she's from the UK, so she's got her British kind of uh, probably flair about her. I've, I've hung, I hang out with a lot of people in the UK. I've been over there multiple times, and uh, I like them, but they definitely can feel very superior to me. So anyway, um, I don't know if it's just the way they sound, but uh, so I can imagine she, when they tell her to try this every day, she eye rolls. But then she's committed to trying it to, to prove maybe that it actually doesn't work. I don't know. But I also think there's this glimmer of hope in her that wishes it would work. So she does. She begins to pray in, pray in tongues for 15 minutes every day. And all of a sudden, her ministry explodes. She goes preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Opium addicts are getting delivered in a moment on the streets. Uh, physical healings happen to people during that time. Other people get baptized in the Holy Spirit. At one point, a gang, one of the uh, triad gangs were, uh, were facing off with her, a group of them. In a, where she was trying to take this girl out of human trafficking. And they were like, no, we're coming to get our, you know, our, basically our prostitute. And um, she's like, no, you're not. And she's standing in front. You know, they, they've killed, they, these people kill people as an order of their life. So she's, but she also wants to reach them. So they start closing in on her, coming close, and she starts praying in tongues. And, and these guys start looking at each other. They freak out and they bolt. And, and if she finds out later that to them, it looked like her eyes like caught on fire, you know, like they flamed up. She said, I didn't feel any of that. Right. So, so I'm saying it's easy when you don't have the experience to kind of write off the experience. 
But Paul the Apostle, when he's saying, I wish you all spoke with tongues, it's, it's Jackie Pollinger, if she was here, she would say, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Jimmy Diamond would say, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Why? It will, it'll benefit you. Are you, am I, are you a less Christian than me if you don't? Nope. God loves you. Died for you. Uh, you know, uh, am I superior to you? No, I'm not. I don't think that way in any way. Should be. What, if you don't, what if I don't agree with you about all this? Can I keep coming to this church? Absolutely. You don't need to agree with me on this. We, we, there are a lot of debate. Get a discussion going about end times in this church. Oh my gosh, I think every kind of point of view is here. And, and, and I'm like, the Jesus is returning, live accordingly. That's my eschatology. So you know, but we, we disagree on a lot of things here. What we agree upon is Jesus Christ died for us, rose again, uh, uh, resurrected. He's coming back. Senator the Father, he's coming back to save us. That's most important. These are the gifts of him opening that way before the Bible calls the throne of grace for you to find help in your time of need. And it happens to be that tongues helps me in my time of need. Would you stand to your feet? Common question is, is, is it for everyone? Paul wishes you would. Acts 2, 4, 120 people are in an upper room. 100% of the people get filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verse 17 through 18 a Sumerian village, it doesn't tell us how many people, but they all receive the gift of tongues. Or they all receive, it doesn't say they receive the gift of tongues, but it says Simon the sorcerer is ready to pay money for whatever he saw the apostles imparting. Acts chapter nine, verse 17, Paul the apostle talks about getting knocked off a horse. Ananias, a man coming and praying for him and him being filled with the Holy Spirit and receiving his sight. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, while it doesn't tell us in nine, verse 17, that he spoke in tongues then, it tells us in chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, that he thanked God that he spoke in tongues. So somewhere in the journey, this gift was, for lack of a better expression, activated in his life when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 48. Uh, it's Cornelius, a Roman centurion's household. I love this story. It's one of my favorite. Peter shows up to preach the gospel because they invited him. Peter doesn't even believe Gentiles can get saved. While he's preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They start speaking in tongues and prophesying. It's like, God, like, you know, Jews like their rituals. Like, okay, we get saved. They may get baptized in water. They may get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They got their order. God's like, mm, I just want to reach this Gentile people that aren't in my kingdom yet. He goes, boom, jumps on them. And they're like, <laughs> bypasses all ritual. And why, why is that important? Because some of you in this room today, you feel like I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I got to go through this rigmarole. I've got to pray 10 days like the apostles in the upper room. Might help. But, uh, but you got all this kind of stuff in your mind that you think you need to do when God says it's a gift. Last time I checked, gifts are not payment. And like any gift, you can set a package in front of someone, it has a bow, it has a ribbon, and you get to decide whether you open that thing up or not. The Holy Spirit's offering us gifts today. Renee talked about all the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just talking about the misunderstood one. And there's prophecy and there's tongues and there's interpretation of tongues and there's faith and for supernatural miracles and there's miracles and there's healings and, and there's so much and, and, and teaching and, and, and even administration and leadership. And he wants to, he has something for you. We, at Lifeway Church, we said, we want you to know Christ. We want you to experience connection. We want you to discover your purpose and we want you to do it. But you know, the Holy Spirit's gifts are God's enablement for you to fulfill that purpose. And he wants to do that today. But I want to tell you the, the greater purpose for Christ's coming, and that's this. Jesus Christ came and died for you. That's the greater gift. He died to save you. He died to bring you into the kingdom of God. I know that some of you came in today 
you don't feel, I sense it this morning that, that when I was in prayer, there's people who came to come today, you don't feel right with God. You may have been a Christian who's walked away and you're living for yourself. Or you may be someone who's never, you just came with a friend. You're not, you've never actually, Jesus is, a, is this kind of interesting enigma to you. And maybe your, your friend is an interesting enigma to you about why they believe in this invisible God. And well, maybe they're experiencing something you're not. I'm really feeling I'm kind of digressing here into a different direction for the Holy Spirit's on this. I, when I was in the Marine Corps, one of the coolest exercises for me was, was training with night vision goggles. Night vision goggles are an amazing thing. We use goggles. Some of you have seen the, you know, the scopes. If you're a hunter, you've seen those kind of things. That, but they're, they're an amazing thing because they pick up on the infrared rays that you cannot normally see. And so it, it was black. It was dark. A part of the training was to help you realize there are enemies out there that you don't see. And then you, but without the, without the night vision goggles, you can't see them. When you put the goggles on, suddenly what you could not see becomes clear as day because the infrared helped. None of us, whether your microwave, how many of you have actually seen a microwave? And I don't mean the machine, I mean the wave itself. Oh, none of you? Right, but anybody doubt that it actually exists? No, because my food got cooked, <laughs> right? Infrared rays, I don't know that those things exist until I can see with some help. The night vision goggles are like faith. Faith enables me to see what I cannot see without faith. And when I look at someone's life who's been transformed, if you knew the life of sin I lived in before I came to Christ, the party lifestyle, the sexual immorality, the addiction, the, the strongholds that were in my life, ask any of my friends from high school, they start connect with me and they're like, you're doing the right thing with your life. Bro, you'd be doing the right thing with your life. You'd follow my example, <laughs> surrender to Jesus. But just like the microwave, they could see Jesus has cooked me on the inside. And they, stay, they, they may not be able to see him, but they can see the work of him in my life. Some of you need that work in your own life. And I want you to invite God, if I could put it this way, to radiate his glory into you. Let him save you by surrendering to his leadership. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta believe that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that he died on a cross for your sins and rose again, that anyone believing him could be saved. That's, 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 that's what you have to do. Then you have to agree, Lord, I'm gonna let you lead my life. I may do it, you're not, you don't have to do it perfectly. You're just recognizing who the leader is in your life. And when you fail, and you probably will, because I know I did a lot in the beginning, I still do to this day. Jesus is there by the Holy Spirit to confront my sin. Or we got a whole other series, like I said, that's, we're gonna address all that to help me grow to maturity. But it starts with this thing called surrender. It's not about saying a prayer, though saying a prayer starts it. It's about a heart of surrender that says, I really want you in my life, God. And if you feel separated, if you feel like you're a foreigner in here, if I'm sound like I'm speaking in tongues, but I'm speaking in English. You're like, I don't even know what you mean by half this stuff. You need to come into the kingdom. If you read the Bible, like this book makes no sense. You might need to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus. It's a coded book that requires the Holy Spirit to help you see it and understand it. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? For those of you here today and you're saying, man, I feel that disconnection and I want to get connected. I want to know Jesus the way you're talking about. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit the way you're talking about. If that's you today, uh, would you raise your hand high? I won't call you up and I won't embarrass you. Awesome, one, two, three, yeah. See five or six of you here in the room today. God loves the fact that you wanna connect. How many of you are here today with your heads bowed in your eyes? I, Jimmy, I hear what you're saying about the Holy Spirit. I want more. I want, I want to be able to connect with God. Machine code, I want the Holy Spirit to speak through me. I want him to lead my life. I wanna be empowered. If that's you, would you raise your hand high? Lots of you, okay. 
Can we all pray together? Let's just start by resurrendering our life to Jesus then ask him to fill us. Can we do that? Lay your pride down and just invite him. Say, God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Uh, Forgive me for living for myself. Jesus, I confess that you're Lord of my life. And I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I ask you to lead my life. And I surrender to your leadership. If I fail, I invite you to confront me, encourage me, teach me, and strengthen me to do the will of God. Fill me with hope. Father, I ask all over this room that you would release your Holy Spirit upon hearts. I ask, Father, that you would would, would bring healing to bodies right now. I pray, Father, that you bring healing to hearts right now that are broken. Father, I pray that your anointing, your presence and power would be the healing for racial tension in our day. It would be the healing for the the fears that people carry uh, related to all other things in, in life. And Lord, that we would know the Prince of Peace as our peace. We welcome you to do that. Just take a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill me right now and just focus on him. Lord, I praise you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, we had some multiple people surrender their lives to Jesus. Can we give God thanks for that? We had, a, we had a friend, Lydia and I had a friend uh, named Kristen. He used to be a part of our youth group. And she would, um, she, she came one day and she said, hey, I, uh, I noticed that like there's something about yours and she was talking to Lydia about, there's, about yours and Jimmy's walk. She's talking to my wife that, that I, I just like, I know Christ, you know Christ, but, but I see something in your life that I don't have. And what is it? And I knew this was gonna bring up a no fun discussion. And I said, well, uh, Kristen, we're, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're not. Well, I'm a Christian. I said, you, you, I, know, I know what you heard. I know what you heard in your head. Let me, did you hear this? Did you hear me say, I have something you don't have, nanny, nanny, nanny? Or did you hear me say, I have something that Jesus wants to give you too that will change your life for the better? Make it a long story short. We, we walked through multiple passages in the Bible and, and did kind of what I did with you today. And we got to this one in 1 Corinthians 14, verse one. It says, pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And when she got to that, she, she read that. She was, I said, what's that say to you? And she said, how did my dad not see all this? I said, well, he probably did. We, we all have a tendency to kind of read what we believe instead of believing what we read. Because it requires change. And, and she said, well, but this, this whole baptism in the spirit, do, do I have to speak with tongues? Uh, is, is that for everyone? I said, I don't know, man. That's been like a 2000 year old debate. Here's what I would say. I said to her is, um, I said, is it for you? And the question, that's the question I have for you today. I said, do you want this in your life? And she said, yes. I said, I'm going to pray for you for God to, 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 to impart the Holy Spirit to you. And you don't got to do anything in front of me, but when you go away, I want you to sit at home alone and you just pray like you do. And if the Bible says they spoke as the Holy Spirit gave the words. If you have new words come to mind, just speak them out in faith. Well, what if I babble in Jesus' name? What if it's, what if it's not 
what if it's not real? I said, do you think God's big enough that if your heart is seeking with surrender, that he's going to judge you harshly for babbling? I said, when I was teaching my kids how to speak when they were child children, I'd walk up and say, say daddy. And they go, dad, They didn't say it right. Kid, what's wrong with you? No one does that, right? We're so excited that they tried. You said dad, you're close. Oh, that's so good. Do it again. Say dad, 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 dad. Yes. Right? Why is it when it comes to God, the father, that we don't understand that's his spirit in nature? And that when you don't worry about messing it up, just speak and let him give you the words. I'm not saying fake it till you make it. I'm saying keep listening. Keep responding in faith. Here's what happened to her. She, she, she did. She, I prayed for her. She went home that night. She began to have some syllables come to her mind. She began to put those out there. She began to speak in this language. I, I encouraged her before she left my house, please don't stop for like 20 minutes because your brain's going to analyze it. And you're going to sit there and you're going to, because your mind now is unfruitful and it doesn't like missing out on the party. You know what I'm saying? So, but then she began to develop this kind of prophetic ability to be able to know how to pray. She began to pray for her husband. And he got saved. It was an amazing deal. She would attribute it to that season in her life. I want to invite you, listen, not into a day of Pentecost, but into a season of it for your own life. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you and strengthen you.